That's for sure. But uh, uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit's doing a really good job this morning. And uh, I believe he is. Uh, I, I love Rifle's little uh, offering sermonettes because they're so powerful. I mean, I just, many times before I get up to preach, Rifle will be doing the, the offering. Many times when he's preaching, I'll be doing the offering or whatever. But uh, usually when he gives the, his little sermonette, I just like, well, why should I, should I even get up, man? Just, you know, that was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, but uh, it's good to see everybody as we're receiving this offering. Uh, we were, are going to take another one in just a minute. And um, we, uh, we are so, been so grateful. So, it's been so wonderful having Peter and Heather Jackson with us this weekend. It really has. <laughs> this is the first time they have been here in our church in Richmond, and uh, really is a great pleasure. I'm so glad that Jason and Elizabeth suggested that we need to bring them in because they carry such a, it's not a, it's not just a message, it's a life message on the Father's heart. You can tell a difference when someone preaches something that, that they have read, read out of a book and they just gain, they just put the words together, put nice, a nice sermon together, and it's nice and everything, but it just doesn't seem to be real. But when someone stands up and what they share comes out of their life experience, comes out of their life message. And for I know for Peter and Heather, for 30 years they have been traveling and they have been delivering this message to the body of Christ concerning our lives being transformed by the Father's love that I, we would get a revelation of who we are in Christ to understand our true identity because that's the thing the enemy tries to tear down. He hates that you have been created in the image of your father. He hates it. And he will try everything he can to destroy that image. And you walk around not knowing who you are and you walk around with what has been spoken into your life over a lifetime and sometimes it doesn't resemble at all the image when God looks at you and what he sees. So it's so important, so vital for us to know what comes from the Father's heart. And I've been so just, uh, like I said the other night, that the explosions are just taking off inside my spirit as I hear what Peter and Heather bring. And I've been so grateful and uh, so glad they're here this morning with us. So glad they're, they're going to be here this afternoon. This rifle uh, shared that as we begin our brand new four o'clock service. Uh, what better to have these guys with us to to kick it off and and uh, we're so grateful that they they don't know, but they're they're remaining here. We're not, we're not going to let them go. You know, your car outside it's up on blocks right now, buddy. Yeah, we've taken the tires, everything out of that thing, man. So. Um, but you know, the Bible speaks a lot about honor. It speaks a lot. And one of the things that we have desired here at Harvest to create an atmosphere, a culture of honor, that we live that out and how we treat one another. We treat each other with honor. That we, when we look at one another, we see great value in that person. And it's, and we make room for that. We make room for that. We say, listen, we need you. We need you a part of our lives. 
And I'm grateful that the message that these guys have brought this weekend has been so powerful, so powerful. And uh, we just need to grab as much of it as we can. And we live stream all of our services, so you can go back on our website and what was shared on Friday night or Saturday night or today or this afternoon, you can, you can get that again. But I want to honor these guys. They, uh, they travel continually, and I know that travel costs a lot, takes a lot of money to do that. I understand. And, uh, and so I just want us to just really, really bless them this morning. Can we do that? If you, if you brought a checkbook or whatever, which is sort of a, not an ordinary thing anymore, it seems like, because we swipe our cards on everything. Uh, but if you did, you can make a check out to Harvest Renewal Church or HRC, and uh, that will be part of the, the love offering this morning. All right? And uh, so let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for this great opportunity to give. What a pleasure. What a joy it is. Father, there's something about that you talk about that when we get there should be joy attached. Father, that you love, you say you love a cheerful giver. And God, that's what we want to be because we know, Father, as we get, as we get the, have the pleasure of honoring someone else, Father, not only do we honor them, but we honor you and that honor returns back to our life, Father, also. So what a, what a great pleasure to, to be able to give this morning and to bless this morning in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and receive this. All right. So y'all ready this morning? Peter, are you ready this morning? Heather, are you ready this morning, honey? Yeah. (laughs) You just rest, dear. You just rest. There you go, honey. (laughs) Let's welcome Peter Jackson this morning. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Woo! Tell your neighbor it's going to be okay. <clears throat> How many were not here for the other two nights? Okay, ushers, could you just remove these people, please? <laughs> it's not the Father's love, is it? <laughs> just kidding. Um, we hail from... Uh, near Toronto, Ontario, in Canada, where it is a little colder. And uh, it's good to be down south. (laughs) But we have had the privilege of being a part of um, the uh, Catch the Fire Toronto since the beginning and have uh, just been blown away by the goodness of God and how he desires for every one of us to receive everything he has given. You know, it's one thing to be given a gift. It's another thing to receive it. And the only way that you can receive this gift the Father has of his love for you is unearned, undeserved. It is, it is a, a gift that has to be freely received. In other words, you didn't do anything to deserve this, to earn it. You only believed. 
And, and that faith that you, you believe with is often smaller than a mustard seed. <laughs> Most of us grow up in this world feeling unloved, unimportant. We, we grow up feeling like, because we're, we, we grow up feeling that way because we're comparing ourselves to other people. And we're deciding whether we, we have value or not. And that's all based on a lie from the father of lies. The kingdom of this world is a kingdom of shame. And it has a lie that says, I do, therefore I am. And so the more I do, the more I am. The less I do, the less I am. But the kingdom of heaven could be based on this simple phrase. He did, therefore I am. He did, therefore I am. I am what? I am just like Jesus to the Father. I am his beloved son. It's interesting that when the Father introduced Jesus to the world... He didn't say anything about what he was going to do. Right? He didn't say he's going to cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead, turn the water into wine. Come one, come all. <laughs> you know? He wasn't promoted because of education. He was introduced to the world by the most important thing the Father could have said about Jesus. And he said, this is my beloved son. And in him, I am well pleased. Another translation says, he is the joy of my heart. In him, I have great delight. In other words, the father was introducing Jesus by his value in heaven. And Jesus said that we're supposed to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of honor. The kingdom of this world is a kingdom of shame. And when I say the world, I say the word kingdom, I mean government. So what governs heaven is honor. And what governs earth is shame. Again, I do, therefore I am. But in the kingdom of heaven, it's he did, therefore I am. But I am what? I am his beloved son. And in me, I don't know about you, but in me, (laughs) he has great delight from day one. Now, in, you know, <laughs> it's one thing <laughs> to be brought out of the kingdom of darkness. It's another thing to be brought into the kingdom of heaven. But on the day that you asked Jesus into your heart, that's what happened. You are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. You... From the Father's perspective, 
this world is unreal. Reality is heaven on earth. It's how he sees things. It's how he says what has value or what doesn't. From the Father's perspective, whether you raise the dead or take a nap, you're loved the same. (laughs) Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His thoughts above our thoughts and His ways above our ways. So somebody's got to change. And it ain't going to be God. (laughs) Repentance is change your mind. Change the way you think. Let your thoughts be his thoughts. Let your ways be his ways. Find out the ways of God. How does he see things? What does he say is reality? What does he say is valuable? <clears throat> so we're, we're brought out of this, this shame-based kingdom into a kingdom that is the exact opposite. We no longer have a father who's waiting for us to perform well enough that we get his approval. We have the seal of approval on our lives. Day one, <laughs> you begin from approval. You begin, you begin from a place of absolute value and honor with the Father, just like Jesus. I was explaining over the weekend, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat is needing help. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, where was I? (laughs) Yes, over the weekend. What was I doing? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) we'll get back to that one. We We are brought out of the kingdom of darkness... We are brought into the kingdom of light and we are to become children of the light. And, and you see, the light increases in you when you really believe you are who he says you are. As long as you're in shame, the shades are down. And when you look into somebody's eyes, you can tell whether they love themselves or not. You can tell whether they're hiding you can tell whether they're ashamed of who they are because your eyes are the windows of your soul. And, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the things that happens when you're shame-based, and, you know, I got my Ph.D. in shame. <laughs> Being the child of an alcoholic father, I, I, that was the language. But <clears throat> when you look into someone's eyes and they look away, They can't look you in the eyes because they're ashamed of who they are. Even though Jesus has died for every sin you'll ever commit on the cross and forgiven you of all those sins, if you don't forgive you, 
it's still a reality in your life. And it's still going to keep you, you know, with the, with the shades down. And disqualifying yourself from being the beloved. You know, so many people come up for prayer and they have a common thing, which I used to feel. You know, I know in my head God loves me. I just don't feel it in my heart. Now, whose fault is that? We blame God. See, he, he, he doesn't love me because I don't feel his love. But in order to feel his love, I have to believe I'm loved. And in order to believe I'm loved, I have to get rid of my unbelief. This isn't just about receiving truth. You know, because I can give you a gift and try to put a gift in your hand and you got your fist closed. And I'm saying, here's the free gift. Here's the truth. But you're holding on to a lie. You're believing a lie about yourself. It doesn't matter how many times I preach it. It doesn't matter how many times I say it or how many times people tell you that they love you. If you haven't loved yourself, you're not going to open your hand. And so, again, as I was explaining last night, to, to love God with all my heart, I have to love myself with the love that he loves me. I have nothing to give if I have not first received. You know, it says in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. I have to receive this love. And it's not just a one-time thing. (laughs) It's, It's receiving that every day. I want to be full to overflowing. Not walk around with a drop in the bottom so I can't pour anything out on you. (laughs) And I was saying, you know, it's like people come to meetings and they get filled, but it all leaks out because there's holes in the bucket. And those holes are the result of the lies that we believe about ourselves. And so, you know, I come, I get filled up, but by the time, you know, by the end of the night or the next day, I'm just drained again. And I need to make sure that I I believe who I am is, is, you know, in agreement with how the Father sees it and says I am. That I am his beloved son. That I am qualified to inherit. (laughs) I'm an heir of salvation. I'm a co-laborer with my father. I'm seated with Christ. Not just scriptures that I memorize, but actually this stuff's written on my heart. Why? Because I let go of the lie. And, you know, a lot of people who've had rejection all their life, I was one, they have a victim spirit. And they look for people to feel sorry for them. 
So it's like I tell you my story so that, you know, it's like a false compassion thing. I want you to see how bad I've had it. Poor little old me. Nobody's had it as bad as me. You know, I eat worms every morning. (laughs) And so, you know, and, and I've prayed for people who are just unwilling to let go of that. They have got false comfort from getting people to feel sorry for them. And, you know, some people never let go of that. Because that is, that's something they know they can get. I can tell you my, my story, and you're going to feel sorry for me. Poor little old you, you know. Well, I'm sure if everybody told their story here, we'd be amazed at what the person sitting beside us has been through. And Mike, mate, your little story seemed like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we're not going to have a pity party today. (laughs) We want to see every victim become a victor. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But because of his great love for me, for us, all motive, this was all done because of the great love of the Father for you. God who is rich in mercy. See, God doesn't, doesn't see, if you have a lot of gold, He doesn't see you as being rich. He paves the streets in heaven with gold. It's paving material. What has great value in heaven is mercy, love, compassion, the the faithfulness of God. So because of his great love for me, let's say that, because of his great love for me, for little old me, God, who was rich in mercy, made me alive with Christ. Even when I was dead in my transgressions. It is by grace I have been saved. And God raised me up with Christ and seated me with him in the heavenly realms. In Christ Jesus. Why? (laughs) This is why he did it. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. 
so that no man can boast. For we are God's workmanship. We're under construction. Tell your neighbor, I'm under construction. I forgot my t shirt. <laughs> I am God. I am God's workmanship. Everybody together now. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for me to do. So I've been saved by grace. I've been saved by his ability, not my ability. Through faith. That little bit of faith. And I, told, I shared my testimony on Friday night. You know, I had such little faith. And when, when I thought the thought, you know, I wonder if Jesus could save me like he saved my friend. And as I thought that thought, that's all God needed. That was the door opening. And I found myself on the floor. I was brushing my teeth in the mirror. And I found myself on the floor rolling around laughing and crying at the same time. Wondering if I was having a nervous breakdown. Or am I actually being saved? (laughs) Because I was just unglued. And I walk into the bedroom. My wife's been sleeping all night at 6 a.m. Got to get her up for work. And I'd been up all night, and I walked into the bedroom, and I, you know, I I said, honey, honey, Jesus is in the bathroom. (laughs) She's like, what? (laughs) Thought I was back on drugs, you know. But she could not deny this glory, this goodness did not fade away. I didn't come down. (laughs) I was flying high. (laughs) The glory doesn't fade away. So, you and I have been saved by grace through faith alone. This is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And this is the way you and I need to live our lives for the rest of our lives. It is by grace, through faith, alone. Not by works, so that no man may boast. So easy to say, so hard to do. When you've been a person who all your life have been living under, I do, therefore I am. I have to do more in order to be more. You know, it starts off in the family, and then it, the pressure increases in school. And then you're in the marketplace, and you're trying to get ahead of everybody else. It's a competition. But once you get to the top, guess what? Nothing there. <laughs> and, and guess who's after you? The guy below you wants to pull you down off your pedestal. Because that's the game in this world. And and we have been brought out of that kingdom. You know, we're in this world now, but we're not of this world. We're of the heavenly kingdom. 
we're actually in a government of honor with the Father. And when he speaks to you, he speaks to you with honor. You know, he didn't say, he's not going to introduce you as prophet, you know, prophet, apostle. Oh, my goodness. No, I won't go there. It was just plain old Jesus came to earth. (laughs) He didn't need to be promoted or qualified by his credentials. He had the Father's seal of approval. And you have the seal of the Father's approval on your life. You know what that means? Seal? That means you're the genuine article. You're the real deal from the Father's perspective. You know, what I'm sharing with you today will bring you in to the reality of experiencing the freedom that Christ set you free for. (laughs) Is really knowing in your heart, apart from anything you've done, that you today are just like Jesus to the Father. That you have the seal of His approval on your life. Set apart your works. He qualifies you by the works of Jesus. And Jesus got a perfect report card. (laughs) So you've got the highest grade. In the Father's eyes, you're at the top of the class by a gift. A gift that has to be freely received. A lot of people don't get saved, would not believe that this gift is free because all their life they have been told a lie that you have to earn everything you get. You only deserve it if you earned it. Have a good work ethic. You know, (laughs) compete for first place. Second place doesn't matter. Number one. And see, we can bring that into relationship with the Father and wonder why we don't feel his love. Wonder why, you know, God, I've prayed so much. I've I've fasted 40 days. I I talked to every person that came across my path. Why don't I feel loved? You know what that is to the Father? Filthy rags. That's you trying to get His approval by your your works. He's only going to accept you by the works of Jesus. Easy to say. But when you've been a workaholic all your life, when when you have bought into the lie 100%, you're trying to be perfect to be loved. You know, second place isn't going to work here. I've got I to gotta be perfect. Which in actual fact, <laughs> Scripture tells us, if you're going to go down that road, yes, you do have to be perfect. Under the law, you have to be just like Jesus. So good luck with that. <laughs> you're going to burn out. And... <clears throat> What puts us in a place 
to really experience the love of the Father is to let go of our unbelief. And really say, no, this is mine. This is truth. And just like Rifle was saying, you know, the truth sets you free. You know, it's interesting when Jesus said that. He said, if you stay in agreement with the truth, the truth will set you free. But you have to stay in agreement. And, you know, James talks about in chapter 1 there, he talks about the double-minded are unstable in all their ways. So I come to church on Sunday and I'm in his presence and people are loving me, you know, and everything's good and they're hugging me and, yeah, I got God bumps everywhere. I feel loved. But when I go to work tomorrow, and I'm around people who are living under, I do, therefore I am. And, you know, so I f- just find out that somebody, you know, stabbed me in the back and, and lied about something so they could get the promotion, and I, I didn't. And so, <laughs> we're in this world. But just having an experience on Sunday isn't going to last. i got to believe this tomorrow morning. I have to, and you know, as, as uh, Doug was saying, my wife and I have been traveling, sharing this message for 30 years, but I have to make a choice today to believe I am his beloved son. And whether I raise the dead today or take a nap, I'm still his beloved son. There's no pressure on me to perform for you so that I get your approval. I'm set free from that if I believe I am my beloved. I am the beloved son. That his favor rests on me. That is, I am, I am the delight of his heart. That he's thrilled to have me as his son. Wow. That is freedom, people. Again, nothing to do with what you've done or not done. Everything to do with what Jesus did. It's a gift. You know, when, we, we, when the revival started in Toronto <clears throat> in January of 94, um, some people seemed so easy to receive. And one of those people was, was Carol Arnott. And a person who was hard to receive was John Arnott. <laughs> And, wow, <laughs> he, he, he uh, I don't know if he's written a book about it yet, but he has a video series called Hard to Receive. And he reckons that, you know, the, re- the main reason it was hard for him to receive is his concept of the Father. Because he he never had a father who freely gave anything. He had an alcoholic father like mine. There were always strings attached. You know, if you got something for free, you know, you you owe. 
you owe. Off to work you go. (laughs) And so, you know, when somebody would give me something for free, I'd be reluctant to receive it. Even though they weren't putting any expectation for me to give them anything back, I felt the shame of freely receiving something with no strings attached. One of the things my wife and I did as we were coming into this revelation of honor was we threw a, a banquet for single mothers in our town. And we found out from somebody who worked for social services that there were 800 single parent families in our town. And we sent 800 invitations to those people to come to an all-expenses-paid five-star banquet. And, and there, there were going to be activities for their kids. We, we put together a 40-foot eaves trough and filled that with ice cream <laughs> and set, made Sundays out of it. And so we had the 40-foot <laughs> Sunday Face painting for the kids. We had King's kids from YWAM come, and they did a a whole thing for the kids. The mothers got to experience a fashion show after the dinner. I mean, the dinner was like off the charts. One of the people in our church was a caterer to really expensive weddings, and they did this five-star crystal, silver. I mean, it was was incredible. And, you know, we didn't tell these ladies to dress up or anything. We didn't tell them it was just going to be a banquet, a free banquet to come to. And when they walked in the door with their kids and they looked at what was set before them and every table had their name on it with their children's names. And, you know, it's like, which fork do you use? Which spoon do you use? (laughs) And uh, they sat down at that table and, and our staff who was was serving them, uh, you know, it was like a mater d' at every table. And we just, we just poured on a lavish banquet to these ladies. And then they have this, bank, they have this fashion show, and, and we gave all the clothes to the ladies. And their kids were just having the time of their life, you know, eating this 40-foot Sunday and <clears throat> great entertainment. Great entertainment from uh, King's Kids doing skits and drama and music and stuff outside. And it was, this is a four-hour deal. And at the end of this, we, we had friends of ours who were recording in Nashville at the time. Uh, they did a free concert. And they were just awesome at, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, when they did the Beatles, you'd swear it was the Beatles. <laughs> you know, it was incredible. And... Um, So I gave him a free concert. And at the end of this, I stood up and I said, you know, you're probably wondering why we did this. We just simply wanted to show you the love of God in a very practical way. But there are no strings attached. We're not, we don't want you to join our church. We're not trying to, you know, pressure you into anything. This is just a free gift to you. And out of about 55 ladies that came to that, 
Six of them stayed behind in tears, undone, because nobody had ever done anything like this for them before. And two or three of those ladies gave their heart to Jesus that day. I'll guarantee they will never forget that. The love of God, the Father's love, is a free gift. And the, the main reason why we don't experience it is because we are trying to earn it. We're trying to do something in order to, you know, qualify for that love. Which is the kingdom of this world. The Beatles had a song, you know, you can't buy me love. How true that is. And, and you know, it's one thing to receive your salvation as a free gift, but then to live your life that way. By grace, through faith, alone. Not by works, so that no man may boast. You are God's workmanship. You're under his construction. He says he will complete the work that he begins in you. But only he will do it. All we can do is cooperate with what he's doing. All we can do is come out of hiding. All we can do is, is you know, admit what he already knows. God, forgive me for trying to earn this. Forgive me for competing. Forgive me for comparing myself to somebody else who I think is so much more spiritual than I am. Forgive me for, for, for neglecting the gift in me. Because this is what shame will do. You will never value what you've been given. You'll just be jealous of everybody else. That is total garbage. Take it to the dump. <laughs> you know? But when you've been conditioned by this, in this world, we've been pumped, this has been pumped into us through school, in the workplace. These, this is what, you know, the tune of the drum that these people march to. Do you know there, there are so few Christians that are really free? And when I say free, I don't mean doing their own thing. Free to be who the Father says I am. Wherever I am. Not shrinking back in fear of what other people think. And you know, you can maybe get there today, but tomorrow's another day. <laughs> You're going to be with more people who don't have a clue who they are. And are competing with you. If you're good at what you do, there's somebody behind you who wants to take your place. And, you know, depending on how much they believe the lie, they'll do anything to take your place. I love, you know, Jesus' questions in the Bible. <laughs> Who do you say I am? <laughs> wow. You know, when the disciples came to him and said, 
uh, Jesus, you know, there's 12 of us here. And there's, then there's three, then there's one. And John was the one, the beloved. He seemed to have the most, the closest relationship with Jesus, right? And he would, he would a picture of John is, you know, his head on the chest of the beloved. Just drinking in, I am my beloved. <laughs> see, see, John was not only connecting with the heart of Jesus, he was connecting with the Father's heart. He was, because Jesus said this, you know, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. And if you've seen me, if, if the eyes of your heart have been opened to see who I really am, you see the Father too. The Father and I are one. But he's talking about revelation. And see, revelation comes when we quit trying to earn what we have freely received. We get off the treadmill. We stop living by the tune of that drum. We stop fearing what other people think if we get off the wheel. And we take our stand. You know, I didn't become a Christian to be in bondage. And the greatest bondage you can be in is believing somebody else's opinion of you that does not line up with his opinion of you. And it's very interesting when you look at the word glory. This is what it means from Vine's Dictionary. The glory of God is his view and opinion. The glory of God is his view and opinion. That is reality. You want reality? Do you want to live your life in reality? Do you want, or do you just want to fake it till you make it? You know, I, I became a Christian... Not to, you know, live my life faking it or pretending I'm somebody I'm not or being under this pressure to live up to your expectations because I'm, a, I am, I'm motivated by fear instead of love. And I'll do anything to get your approval. I will sell the company store. You know, I'll, I'll, I had a friend who was in our church years ago and he was a very successful accountant. And his son, both, both of his sons were in college to become successful accountants. And when he brought his wife to our church, he told me right at the door, he said, you know, this is a great church, but it's not really my style. <laughs> he said, but I, I, I'm bringing my wife because she really needs it. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so I just looked at him and I smiled and I said, well, just hang around, see what happens. And uh, over the next six weeks, I was doing a whole series on this coming out of shame into honor. And I could see him squirming in his seat, you know. And he got, he got so uncomfortable 
that he stopped coming to church. His wife kept coming. She's getting healed. She ended up on the floor just bawling her eyes out almost every week. And Incredible freedom she was coming into. But she was being pressured by him and his value system. You know, if, <laughs> here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is pressing you into the mold of Jesus. But the world is pressing you into the mold of Adam. This world system wants you to never discover who you really are. And it's all motivated by the devil, the father of lies. And the problem with lies is if you believe it to be true, it's going to rule your life. Powerful. If you believe it. On the other side, if you believe truth, the truth will set you free. And you will become what you believe. So anyway, my friend Murray, you know, he's sitting in a seat just squirming. <clears throat> and, uh, eh? yeah, or he disappears. And I don't see him like for six months. And I'm, I'm talking to his wife and I, you know, how's Murray doing? Oh, he's so busy. You know, he's just poured himself into work. You know, when I was in California, there was a bumper sticker that <laughs> said, Jesus is coming back. Look busy. (laughs) Even if you're not, look busy. This was crazy. God was speaking to me through bumper stickers. And I'd seen this billboard, I do, therefore I am, you know, coming out of the airport. Car on the way to the conferences. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) But that's the thing. You can never look not busy. And, and people, you know, as the Holy Spirit's trying to get to the roots of things in our lives. You know, oftentimes there's pain. And as I said before, most people run away from their pain. They're, they're afraid of facing the pain of the past. And, um, but the Holy Spirit is pressing us into the mold of freedom. He wants to heal every wound, every father wound, every mother wound. When when he restores you, it's just as if it never happened. You have a scar, but you have no wound. You have a memory of that, but you have no pain. There's no infection. It's healed completely. So my friend Murray is like, you know, I, I, I hadn't seen him in six months. He's, he, you know, was flying all over the place with this company and pouring himself into work. And one morning early, about 7 o'clock, I get a phone call. And I don't usually answer the phone at that time of the day. <laughs> because I've, I've been with the Lord since 4, so I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> <That's a Pinocchio. laughs> so, you know... Don't interrupt him with a phone call. I'm in deep intercession, uttering groans that no man. (laughs) So anyway, I get a call and it's Murray. And I, he, he, he says to me, he says, 
Hi, Peter, it's, it's Murray. I never would have recognized his voice. Just the voice of depression, burnout, collapse, hopelessness. He's at the end. And he said, you know, this morning I thought to myself, I'm just going to kill myself. And I'm thinking about how I could do it. And people kill themselves when they lose hope. And you see, he had given himself to, I do, therefore I am. That's called slavery. And there is an end to your strength. There is a, there is a point where you will, you're, you're going to wake up one morning. If, if you're in slavery to that lie, you're going to wake up one morning and it's like, <laughs> you can't get out of bed. You can't think. You can't, you're just, you're burned out. And, uh, of course, that's what the devil wants to do with you. So, <clears throat> He says to me, man, I just thought, had this thought. Maybe I could call you and maybe you could just pray with me. Because the only thing that's keeping me from not killing myself is, is my family. And, uh, and I said, well, Murray, it's about time for you to really believe what you've heard. And let go of your unbelief. And, you know, I, I, I sense within him the shame of admitting he's got a problem. You know, when you're an accountant, <laughs> everything's got to add up. You, there's no room for error. It's got to be perfect. And that's the way he was running his life. As long as I keep the show going... As long as everything external looks good, I'm fine. Well, he comes to the end of himself. We get together, we pray. God does a miracle. It's just like the prodigal, you know, just, wow. <laughs> and I'll never forget, you know, he's just laughing his head off at the end of this. What was I thinking? <laughs> And, you know, after this, he gets a hold of his sons and said, you know, has a sit-down talk with them. Like, I was out to lunch. You know, whether you want to be an accountant or not, that's not your life. Your life is being a daddy's little boy. A mentor of mine, Jack Winter, used to say, you know, I used to be a big boy with no daddy. Now I'm just trying to be a little boy with a really big daddy. (laughs) him big, me small (laughs) get that on a t-shirt as I prayed for Murray you know the grace of God just abounded you know when, when we come to the end of ourselves when we're really serious about getting off the treadmill we're, we're not going to play the game anymore. We're not going to spend our life comparing and competing with other people. Trying to get strokes. Trying to get approval. But we're really going to learn what his ways are. His thoughts are. 
You know, Jesus said, I'm humble of heart. Come and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And the stuff that you're going to do with your life, you're going to have me doing it in you. You know, the Holy Spirit is a genius. <laughs> you're going to have his energy. You can have his wisdom. Just like Rifle was saying this morning. I was, I was like that too. I had ADD in school. They didn't know what it was, but I was just a space cadet. And, you know, <laughs> stick me in a, a class like geography. <laughs> I'm just ding, 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 thinking a million things. And, you know, God called me not only with ADD, but when you add drugs and alcohol to ADD, you've got somebody who cannot concentrate at all and, or, or focus. <laughs> and, then, and that didn't change the day I became a Christian. It, a month after I became a Christian, I had a dream in which the call of God came on my life. And, and the call in that dream was to do what I'm doing today. Which my immediate response was, Lord, here am I, send them. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. This, this is not me. And yet, he helped me step by step really get the mind of Christ by meditating on his word. By not just hearing it here on a Sunday, but actually breaking it down, understanding what it's about. And, and really, you know, yeah, getting wisdom. Lots of people have knowledge, but few people have wisdom. And wisdom comes from really meditating on that, breaking it down. How does that apply to me, you know? Application. So <clears throat> I had a sense this morning, you know, that there are some of us here that have been on the treadmill. And, you know, you just feel like this is not where I want to go. Hebrews 4 says, make every effort, in verse 6, every effort to enter rest. Sounds like a paradox. <laughs> King James says, strive to enter rest. But here, here's what it means. Make it the priority of your life to enter rest. And how do you rest? You just be daddy's little boy or daddy's little girl. It's a relationship. God can do all this stuff all by himself. He doesn't need you and me, does he? All that needs to happen today is the glory of God just gets a little lower. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Everybody's healed. Everybody's saved. Whoop, away we go. It's over. He doesn't, you know, need you. You're not, you're not like, it's all dependent on you. You know, playing God is really hard. <laughs> and so many people in ministry, you know, they're trying to play God. 
They're trying to, to be God. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Make every effort to enter the rest. Stop living under I do, therefore I am. Enter into he did, therefore I am. Enter into your belovedness. We're going to leave it there now. <clears throat> We're out of time, but if you need uh, more resources, <laughs> we have a lot of stuff on our website that you can download. Uh, PeterJackson.org. And um, there's 12 hours of teaching on the glory of sonship and trusting God as Father, which I've just been able to give you a little bit of. But, you know, faith comes from hearing again and 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 again. And then again. And we are in this world that is, we're constantly bombarded with the wrong message. The more you do, the more you are. And we need to get firmly rooted and grounded in the truth that he did, therefore I am. Therefore I can freely receive the Father's love. Amen? But this morning, maybe you want some prayer. We have some prayer team here to help pray for you. But I had a sense, and it's just interesting that Rifle mentioned this earlier. During worship, I saw not Jesus standing on the water calling you out, but the Father. And, and he was calling you to, to get out of the boat. You know, even the misery that some of you have been in is a comfort zone because it's predictable. And you know what's going to happen next. You know how that system works. And the Father's just saying, come. Come and walk on the water. And it wasn't, you know, Peter wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the Word. The Word was come. And the Father's just saying here this morning, you know, if you know that you're at the end, and if you're not at the end, go get there. <laughs> get her done. <laughs> wow. Try that another couple of years and see how you feel. Slavery. And, but if you're at the end, you know, it's, it's like a prophetic response to the Father today. It's like, it's not just because I'm saying this, it's because He's saying this to you. I will honor your decision. If you really want to learn of me, if you want to know my thoughts and my ways, I will honor that. Just come and admit to me that you're at the end and you want to change. You want to get off the, the treadmill and enter into the rest. Okay? So there'll be some folks up here to pray for you if you haven't been here before. It's a safe place just to be real and just to share what's really going on in your heart. Okay?
If we humble ourselves, we get grace. And grace is what changes us. So we're just going to linger a bit. If any of you want some prayer about anything I've said this morning, just come on up. Don't all come at once, but just come now. Ha, 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 ha.